Take this job and shove it. Man, I hate this job for real. Work sucks. I hate my job. <laughs> What's up, guys? This is Evan Galpert from Shitty Jobs Podcast. I'm here with my co-host. I'm Furby Montano. Today, we're going to be talking to one of my dear friends who has had not a whole lot of variation in job experience, but he's he was working in the world of politics uh, before he quit for his own mental health and is now a <laughs> rising star in the Albuquerque comedy scene. Um, and his name is Trip Stelnicki. He's a he's a good buddy of mine. Uh, what did you think of meeting Trip, Ferbs? It was a trip, no pun intended. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, no <laughs> oh. man, uh, Trip Trip was very cool. I've been waiting to do that joke all hour. I, I gotta be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no man, I, I really enjoyed talking to Trip. Um, you know, it was it was kind of cool uh, how. You know, just just forewarning for everyone, um, we we kind of veer off topic a little bit, but it makes sense because Trip, being in politics, um, of course that came up, and he sort of alluded to, yeah, this is why I had to get the fuck out of politics because it was this discussion all the time. So it's impossible I, not I, to talk about certain things that are so pervasive in our uh, political landscape currently. I agree, and yeah, he he was. Uh, he was working throughout the entire Trump campaign, and I, I remember watching the toll, the toll that that had on that poor boy's soul. And he's so smart, he's such a good man. So anyway, I hope you guys listen, enjoy listening to the conversation that we had, even if it wasn't purely about uh, job experiences, but it really was. At the end it of the was, day, yeah, it is it all was. about that job experience, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, like like I said, that that was his job experience, and that it was shitty for him. Clearly, like he he didn't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. he left for his own. How could it health. not be? So I mean, yeah, no, I I, I genuinely enjoyed talking with Trip. Um, I hope all of you enjoy hearing him speak because he uh, he has a very pleasing voice. <laughs> you should get a podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. He he yeah. would be great at he'd be great at it. But yeah, so um, all right, cool. Well, yeah. Yeah. Enjoy. Enjoy listening and uh, uh, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Yep. And as always, crappyjobspodcast at gmail.com if you'd like to be on the show, if you'd like to send us a story to tell, uh, anything like that. If you want to tell us to fuck off, you can do that too. Crappyjobspodcast at gmail.com. We're here for you. We're here for you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Enjoy trip, everyone. Yeah, today we've got my good friend from Wayward Comedy here in uh he was one of the Santa Fe reps and now he's moved down to Albuquerque to uh to take over the Wayward Comedy brand in Albuquerque. No, that's not that has never been exactly part of the plan, but I would love it if you did. Um but everybody welcome Trip Stell Nikki. Yeah! Hi, wow. Yes. Welcome, welcome. Listen to the roar of the studio audience. This is incredible. Thanks for having me, fellas. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for being uh, on, man. You've moved to Albuquerque and kind of became a comedy star in Albuquerque. Everybody knows you down there. Now. That's very nice of you to say. I don't think that's I don't I don't think <laughs> I don't think being booked on like three shows quite qualifies you as a comedy star but you're a star baby yeah i'm on the way to the top i'm on my way straight to the middle of the, i'm i'm easily i will say this i'm easily one of the top 10 
independent comedians currently in the northwest quadrant of the city of albuquerque <laughs> there you go let's go let's go yeah I'm, to be clear i'm talking about within the city limits so like anything in bernalillo county rio rancho those i'm not counting that that would probably bump me down a little bit but I'm I'm comfortable with that kind of praise. But um, the northwest quadrant of Albuquerque City proper is one of the funnier quadrants. One yeah. of the like like I would say top 5 funniest quadrants out of the four <laughs> quadrants. It's definitely in the top 5 of the four quadrants. I would say that for a certainty. I think you get a lot of up in this up in the old northwest quadrant you get a lot of a lot of goofy whites. I see a lot of recumbent bicycles. It's very, <laughs> it's very Santa Fe. Like I do a joke a little bit about how I moved to the Santa Fe of Albuquerque. And so it's not that different. Cause like I see more goofy white shit here that like rich white bullshit, like people riding horses, like in the bike lane. Like I see that every day. That's, that's that's a hard New Mexico thing to see, man. Riding a horse anywhere, but especially on bike trails. That's that's just New Mexico, just mwah, wrapped up yep. with a bow on it. You're talking about like the bike lane on the road, right? Yeah. These are asphalt horses. Oh yeah, these are horses. That asphalt are in- horses. Uh, but they're but 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 he's right. Furby's right. I there. I do see. We have, we live along along a ditch. How's that for a bougie statement in New Mexico? Oh, yeah. Anywhere else, people would be like, "Oh God, are you out of doors?" Like, no. But I live along a ditch in New Mexico. This is ditch front. This yeah. is ditch front property. Ditch front property. And yeah, see, they, they they make it sound much more flowery. They say, "Oh no, it's an arroyo. It's not a ditch. It's an arroyo." Yeah, this, this is for sure a ditch, though. Like even, <laughs> even knowing that, like it's not. It's not. It looks a little bit more like a dirt version of where they did the final race in Greece, you oh, know? Right on. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. On. It does. But the crazy thing is if it is for sure a ditch. It's nothing more than that. It does not have airs of river or even arroyo or anything like that. But what's crazy is it is way more powerful and full than the Santa Fe River ever has been. Like the Santa <laughs> Fe River... You talk about like that, that is a ditch. Like it is true. It's, I don't even know if that qualifies as ditch, actually. I've never <laughs> seen that more than truly like a puddle. Uh, and then just this is just some piece of shit ditch. And I'm like, this is practically the Rio Grande compared to what I just moved up. <laughs> that's the, that's the, Santa Fe, the Santa Fe hole that occasionally trickles. That's what that is. Yeah, that's right. It's like not even enough for the, for the, for the, for the homeless to like, you know, wash their hands. It's terrible. It's- <laughs> climate change is affecting the homeless of santa fe in numerous ways and this is certainly one i would say well trip so um obviously shitty jobs being the the title of the show um why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh your experience in the in the workforce with with your shitty job speaking of homeless management maybe you can tell us a little bit about what your last job was (laughs) Well, I don't know. You guys are in charge. I could go in either direction. I could go reverse chronological. I could just pick one. I, I haven't had that many jobs. Like I have in my life, I've worked, I don't know, maybe five jobs and like uh, none of them have been good. So like this is, this kind of podcast is right up my alley. I don't think you guys will have a shortage of guests and like willing participants either. Are there any jobs that aren't shitty? Like that? I was just going to say, I mean, I being, being one of these like, you know, socialist anti-capitalist kinds of little bourgeois assholes. 
uh, I uh, think that all work is is terrible, and the fact that we all have to work for money at all is is a, is a thing. But you know, yeah. But well, I I specifically singled you out to come onto this podcast because of the job that you had. Actually, you had a different job when we met. Uh, yeah. Maybe let's start with that job. You were working sure. at one of the papers, right? Yes, uh, I I moved to New Mexico originally for that job at a newspaper in Santa Fe. And uh, that's what I, I studied journalism in college, which is a huge, like I might as well have, you know, not gone. Like it's. Yeah. That's red flag. Number one, for sure. Oh, that is. Yeah. Dude, that I, is so I started really out with journalism too. I, I totally get it. Okay. It's uh, yeah. and so you switched. So you switched. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Switched to music, which was a great move on my part. Oh yeah. Honestly. Like there's definitely a a boomer part of my brain that heard that just now and was like music. But then the more realistic part <laughs> of my brain is like music is way more applicable and useful in life to have studied. Like truly, like janitorial services would have been a more <laughs> helpful and it's such a stupid. I really wish like my high school or even my college would ever invite me back to speak. They wouldn't, but I just have this kind of fantasy sometimes. So that I could then like just cut through the bullshit for these young kids and be like, get <coughs> just fucking like de brainwash them for like a half hour before they like escort me off, whatever. Like, pl- like please, we, we shouldn't have invited him to talk. <laughs> it's, a huge, it's a huge fucking waste of time. It's not useful. It's it's really stupid. And like, I'm not saying all journalism is bad. It, it, it is, but that's not really what I'm saying. But like, it is now. Yeah. But like, you don't need like any of the journalists in the world who I actually respect who are maybe of three in number or something like they, you don't need to go to journalism school to be able to do that. That's why it's such a worthless, like if you can read and write and you know how to like carry a conversation, but like, and you can draw conclusions almost is like a, <laughs> is like a qualification. Like, like, you know, one of those logic puzzles on like the SAT or something where it's like, if A is B and B is C, like that, if you can do that, if you can do rudimentary logic, then you're, you're probably going to win a Pulitzer Prize. But um, <laughs> anyway, so that's all the way of saying I moved. Yeah, I did that job for about three years, actually. And I started working nights is how I started. I was on the copy desk. So the way that works is like, all day long, you got journalists who just run out into the community and harass people with like just bothering people all day long who are just like trying to go about their days. And you have journalists being like, but tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. Or like, you know, this is what a Republican <laughs> said. I don't know, try and uh, combat that kind of misinformation. And it's just harassment and it's awful. And then the copy desk sits in the office. We come in at 3 p.m., And we edit all of that. We look for typos. We move a paragraph around here and there. We make sure everybody's name is spelled correctly. And then we would lay out the newspaper. So like the physical in in Adobe InDesign, we would just for hours just be like, what article fits in this column space? And like break that paragraph here and put a photo here so it looks the page is balanced which that part I kind of liked. And in hindsight, it was kind of, there's like an art to that, like making a, a balanced, aesthetically pleasing to the eye. Like, cause you don't think about this and especially now, cause whoever would pick up a physical newspaper, but like even 10 years in, in Santa Fe, people do like, I will say in Santa Fe, you see news, like you see those 
news boxes where you can buy the newspaper. I never the see those news in box. Yeah. In yeah, any man. other city in America, those were recycled decades ago. But in Santa Fe, people are still like, I'm going to get my coffee, go down to the Plaza Cafe and read the physical newspaper. I'm going to check the box scores. It's like, that's a the box, box scores. score. <laughs> Steph Curry's made 17 threes, old man. Okay, just fucking. <laughs> but made somewhere between 12 and 17 threes. But um, yeah, so I would lay, you'd lay out all the, and that was kind of, it was an interesting puzzle. It's like a, it was kind of like a, just a, like a Jenga of words and images and graphical designs. And so that was kind of fun. But it was, I just moved to Santa Fe. And so I was working a shift from like three to midnight, didn't have a friend in the world and uh, would get off at midnight. So the only place that was open was boxcar. So I'd go there and just, you know, try to make friends at boxcar at midnight. Like, (laughs) yeah, Evan's laughing. He knows. Yeah, because it's one of the least friendly places in town. And the only people that you will ever make friends with at midnight are the ones that are so wasted and high on cocaine that they'll talk to a fucking lamppost for an hour and a half and say, you're my best friend, you know? Yeah, so I met a lot of good lampposts, and I <laughs> I count them as dear friends to this day. Um, but yeah, so I like worked my way up from that. I worked nights in that like that's like the lowest rung on the ladder at like a at a newspaper or any kind of media outlet, I guess. And then, but I'm a I'm a good writer, and so I started just like offering to write things and sort of like freelancing stories on my own and seeing if the editors would publish them. And they were like, "These are good. You should do this." So I worked my way up to that and then would just write stories, <laughs> about whatever. And there are good parts of that job. And there, we, we can talk about the worst parts. I, I, I gather that's the premise of your guys' show. But like <laughs> the good parts of that job are like you do meet a lot of interesting people. You meet a lot of characters. And as someone who as at heart thinks of himself as a writer, like it's fun to tell their stories. Like I never thought of myself as a reporter. There are journalists who like wake up every morning, like I'm going to ruin somebody's day. Like I sat in a- <laughs> like he would giggle with glee when he would hang up the phone and he could tell he could, he had upset someone like he, that's what some people really truly like they get, they think they're doing a service and they have whatever their own twisted internal logic that they're somehow like essential to society and doing that. And it's fucked up and I don't subscribe to that worldview. I was just a writer who liked meeting people and sort of sharing their weird, and Santa Fe is a perfect place for that because there's so many weird, whatever they'd send me out to do as like a general assignment reporter, like I would go talk to people like under the Labahada Hill who had like built a fence to like keep Native Americans away from their water and just like it was just oh, weird yeah. shit like that. I have a hundred stories where I was just like, just go out there and just see what's up. And I was just like, all right. Um, and you learn about a place that way. It was kind of interesting to like just talk to people and solicit their good or bad. Like I I went to cover like a Mike Pence rally in Roswell. I fucking I went up to Taos one afternoon and talked with for like three <laughs> hours with the production designer for all nine seasons of Seinfeld. He lives in Taos. And they were just like... I think the Mike Pence rally in Roswell is more fascinating than that, honestly. I gotta say, like... (laughs) 
Absolutely. It was, it was the Mike Pence. I mean, yeah, I could, I could offer, you could choose your own adventure. I could like offer up the premise of any of these stories. The Pence rally was fucking wild. I mean, it was, did you get abducted by aliens or white supremacists or anything? No, any of I, it? And if I, you were abducted by aliens, you got to specify, was it space aliens or the other type? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, they were worried. They <laughs> were them illegal aliens down there in Roswell. Boy, I know it ain't that far from the border now. They were worried more about like the green card than like the green color aliens, like for sure. <laughs> and that they were very concerned about because this is back when like it was still funny. Like if you can, rem- if you can yonder back six years or so with me when it was like, this is ridiculous that Trump is, that Donald Trump is running for president even. Right. And like, so it was, I, I thought it was hilarious. I was like, this is the funniest thing in the world. I can't wait to get down to Roswell and talk to these fucking yokels. And like, I was having a great time. I should have filmed it. It could have been like a daily show bit. Oh, know? totally, dude. I bet did it was like a town hall where people asking him dumb questions about like, oh, what no. do you really know about the aliens? Or Not at all. No, it was so much worse than that. It was like, clearly he, he, they, the event was at the Roswell airport, uh, in an air, in an, in a hangar. They stuffed it with hillbilly QAnon Fox, just fat idiots. <laughs> Red baseball hats and like a few congressmen and like state representatives and who are everybody sweating. It was miserable. Pence arrives on, uh, I was going to say air force too, but this is before he was president. So just a private jet or whatever he arrives, he walks in, he does like, uh, honestly, he does a loose seven minutes of just like the worst, like low energy, like all these people are all jacked up, you know, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Like the oh, yeah. people yeah, yeah. up, like the build the wall people. <laughs> and Pence gets there and he's just like gives a milk toast, like, and you know what? Steve so, Pierce, Steve Pierce is gonna be a great governor for New Mexico. And everyone's like oh lukewarm, like, this sucks, dude. You are <laughs> he was so he was such a bad speaker, boring. Even I, just as like a neutral observer, was like, dude, fucking give him something. Like these people are, I was like, read the room, dude. Give him a fucking something. Give him some red meat. That's and just, that's just code for he wanted to get the fuck out of New Mexico, man. He had no he interest in a loose, a loose seven. He got back on the plane and he was out of there in like, honestly, probably 25 minutes. He was on the ground in total. Jesus. And then it was just me just sort of staggering around being like, anyone have a comment on how good or not good that was? And what did you think about that moment where he talked about like tax cuts? Were you into that? Was that why <laughs> you really passionate about like fiscal policy or do you just want to kill black and brown people? <laughs> very, the energy was very low. It was grim. Uh, but I, yeah, I got really drunk at a Buffalo Wild Wings after that, just by myself, and just it was a gay old time. But yeah, uh, I gotta be honest, the most the most shocking part of that story is that Roswell has a fucking airport. Like what? Yeah, that's that's nuts to me. There's like what seven people in that city, maybe eight now. No, it's it's actually I don't think you can get like a like a significant commercial flight. But I have like I thought the same thing, and I remember looking it up and like. They fly to a bunch of cities in Texas, like you know, they you can go from Roswell to Dallas, wow. and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like probably just little charter flights or whatever, you it's know. Pretty but much like fucking... what NFA Airport is. Yeah, you can fly to like two or three places, and since Roswell's so remote, it's probably convenient. But I think there's lots also... of towns that 
have little airports, but yeah, they're, they're not like commercial. They're just for no. people like Mike Pence with their fucking yeah, private no, jets, you know? I also think they, I might be making this up, but I feel like Roswell has like an Air Force thing, maybe. So there's, yeah, that. yeah, I'm looking at it now. They have, a, they have an Air Force base in Roswell, just outside yeah, of Roswell. So that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. But yeah, Mike yeah, Pence, that makes sense. Uh, just all kinds of shit like that, just little adventures. Um, and then I covered, and then I got promoted to like cover City Hall and like local government, which was awful. Like, you know, it's just, I'm sure this is true of any town in America, but Santa Fe is like very deeply dysfunctional and like it's in so many different ways. And so just, it was basically just a year of me just sitting in government meetings being the people's representative, you know, cause I'm, cause no one goes to these meetings. No one watches these meetings. Uh, it's just me being like, here's what they did to the bike path on Alameda. And then people read it and then they email and call and be like, you got that wrong. I didn't decide it, dude. I just wrote it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, we don't need a bike path in Alameda. We got too many. I love how nobody cares until it makes the paper and then they bitch at you about it when it really should oh, have yeah. been their job to go to a fucking city council meeting and oh, educate yourself about your town. You guys. Wait, so what, what's the what's the dumbest like thing that that they brought up that you had to hear about from from like readers the next day or whenever it posted? Wow. That's a good question, man. I don't. Boy, there were so many, and I'm just oh, I gotta think of one good one because it was it was truly like that. What Evan just said is exactly the way. Like you, this will probably be a through line in whatever jobs we talk about that I've had is that people (laughs) are so much stupider than you even realize. Even if you're already (laughs) cynical, even if you are already like America's in the toilet. Like when you really talk to people, you're like, how do you fucking live, man? Like people are so dumb they would call and complain about little literally anything everything i think the dumbest things uh were not to answer your question ferb if i can call you ferb sure that's fine not really like in response to stuff although there are a lot of stupid comments like in response to things that you would write it was more like things that people would call in and like pitch you that they would be like, why ain't nobody writing about this? And you're like, I don't know, because no one cares. Like you, oh God. There was one woman who, <laughs> boy, I haven't thought about this in a long time. This is all like ancient history now. But like, there's one woman who like walked into the to the newsroom and she was, it took about, and so people I've got the breaking scoop of the century for people, you. People walk in and they, that's pretty much their vibe. They're like, I've got a great story. Or this was actually what a lot of it, because this was before Forrest Fenn's fe- treasure was found. Oh, every, yeah. Every week, every week, someone would walk in with like a legal contract and say, I know where it is. I'm going to give you the story of how I'm about to find it, but you have to swear your rights away to not like divulge it. And it was all this, it was the forest fence stuff was a whole jerk off. But (laughs) one woman, this one woman walked in and she was like telling this story about how she'd been like hit by a drunk driver. And it was kind of like dark and compelling. And it was like, she was a sympathetic person, you know, but it took about like three hours almost of like passing her along to different people. Like you should talk to this person. Maybe this person knows about this. Maybe we can write your story. Maybe we can help you out. Maybe we can advocate for you 
took about a couple hours to realize like she was she had like significant brain trauma and it was like who knows how much of this is real or not like she was just total one floor over the cuckoo's nest like post lobotomy and spoiler alert sorry and like she was really fucking <laughs> deeply fucked up but at that point it's hard to get a person out of your out of off, away from your cubicle like you've been taking notes on their it's weird when you're like taking notes on someone's life like diligently and then you sort of realize that like, this is all needs to go in the trash this is i don't know if i'm being incriminated in something or i don't know if you, <laughs> people like that who are just so off the wall when like the local newspaper is their only resource you're like okay can i direct you to a local a uh, government service that assists with everything or anything. You need some kind of help that I, a hungover 25-year-old who does not care on his best day, cannot provide you. Um, damn, I'm trying to think of <laughs> better examples of stuff. People, people did complain a lot. If I think of one, I'll, 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 I'll chime back in with it. But yeah, it was a lot of that. Somebody just called into the radio station the other day saying like, oh, that story that you were reading, we were reading a story from the paper that somebody who has property adjacent to the dog park, like put up a bunch of chain or like barbed wire fencing on along their property. And then somebody's dog ran into it and got hurt. And now they want to take the chain link down. And somebody called in to say, it's not, it's not actually barbed wire. It's, it's not razor wire or barbed wire. It's just a wire fence. I'm like, yeah. Oh, Did that really thanks, need to be man. fucking clarified? I don't, I, you know, thanks. Does it, is, yeah. do you feel better now? Is that really what this is about? You like, just needed to tell if you, if you've ever dabbled on the Santa Fe bulletin board, Facebook page, that's basically the perfect distillation of like the Santa Fe mind, the hive mind of that guy who called into the radio station where it's just the minutia of everything. It's like, I saw someone turn aggressively onto St. Francis without signaling. And I believe that this constitutes a violation of not only my civil rights, oh my but also my three-legged cat. <laughs> and like this, people like that who are just very, they just have like this, this like the blinders like three inches around their head in every direction. That's because that, that's all the, that's all they have going on. That's why. Right. That's all that's and all they have going they, on. And it's a very distinct like worldview of like i always described like santa fe people as like people who think they're who like people who think because they vote for democrats that they're good people like people who have like a coexist bumper sticker but will like show up to to march on city council when someone suggests like putting an apartment complex like um within a mile of their three million dollar home on canyon road because it's like oh poor person near me get the fuck out of here i will lay down my life to prevent that coexist bumper sticker uh i i love trump's hate love trump's hate donald trump is so rude and it's like you are equally problematic but they Uh, they (laughs) they think i remember when uh when the obelisk in santa fe was being taken down um and there was kind of the discussion around fiestas around the time, like, hey, fiestas is kind of, you know, really shitty towards Native American people because it's basically about them being slaughtered. Um, maybe we should rethink that. 
And uh, I remember a lot of people, I was living in New Orleans at the time, and I had posted a lot, of, a lot of stuff about the Confederate monuments being taken down for similar stuff, right? Um, everyone in Santa Fe was totally against, I mean, for that. Like, yeah, take down those monuments. They represent racism. Of course, take it down. And then when it came back to, all right, well, let's take down the obelisk for similar reasons. What the hell? That's my heritage. That's that's my family's heritage. What the hell is wrong with you? No, this is so stupid. Fiesta should stay the way it is. I'm like, oh my God, you people. This is why I left. This is why I left right here. Yeah. The obelisk was, that was what, that was, I mean, there's a lot of dumb stuff about that, but like one thing that always struck me is like, even if you disagree with the people who are angry about taking down the Confederate monuments who are like, this is my heritage. It's like, you're an idiot. But they do believe that. And like, oh, yeah. whatever, say what you will, but they do believe like Robert E. Lee represents like my America. And it's like, you're wrong, but okay, that is a thing. Fine. The obelisk stood for nothing, was for no one, meant not like it was truly just an ugly piece of stone that said like 150 years ago a totally meaningless civil war battle was won like 40 miles away from here. And also Native Americans are savages. Like that is no one's yep. heritage. Yep. That means nothing to anyone. And when it was taken down, like all the crotchety old white men within a 60 mile radius of where it once stood, were like, you have destroyed my life. Yep. Then, <laughs> Good. Fuck your life. Yeah, you know? Your life is stupid. <laughs> man. You're dumb. What the fuck? If I that was, was your life, then your life is clearly shit. So, you know, stupid. Oh my God. Well, that could be a segue into my, my next shitty job. Cause we had, cause my next shitty job, which was working for the government. Cause I went from newspaper to government. I was like poached. Um, was that because you were doing like city council, like covering city council and city government stuff? Is that how you got pulled into working no, for the uh, government? The real answer is I started, I covered a few campaigns. Um, and Oh, we got barking dogs. I think the garbage man is here. Um, I covered a few political campaigns and like a few politicians, I guess, took notice of that. And they thought I was a good writer. And I wrote one story in particular about a politician. And that politician liked that story, liked the way that I had sort of, it was a profile, which like the idea is like, and I wrote profiles of Democrats and Republicans. And even though I hate Republicans and anyone who believes in that is a piece of shit. And I don't care if you write it <laughs> Furby and heaven and you say that I should be, I don't, I really don't give a shit. I think you're an awesome Please do write us, write yeah. me. No, yeah. Furby, you know, but so, I'll talk to I, you. Yeah. I'll, I'll so talk I, to you. That's I, cool. Just be prepared. I'm going to, I'm going to fire back. And by the way, trips email. Oh yeah. I'm going to fuck him. you up, no. but I'll talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put my email in the show notes, but like, uh, but I mean, at the same time, I, I, I know not every journalist or writer does this, but I took pride and professionalism and like a sense of like professional ethics in like, you still have to, the difference, I mean, we I could talk about this all day because I think about this all day, but like there's a big difference between someone who's like, I must write the news from the midpoint of the two opposing ideas, no matter if one is full Nazism and the other one is what it, wherever it is, the midpoint is the truth. <laughs> the other one is please let's not be Nazis. Please let's not be Nazis, <laughs> but the midpoint like... is like, who's to say? There are a lot of journalists, and I think truly, if you ask me, it's one of the reasons America is so fucked up today, is like a lot of the media group think is like that's how it should be done. 
I think, and I think a lot of like of savvier or more creditable journalists believe like your job is to tell the truth. And so you ask both sides what they're saying and your job is to discern what is actually happening or what's meaningful, what facts to include, what facts to discard. And that's all just a way of saying like, even when I would write about Republicans, like the Mike Pence rally, I didn't write, like we could pull up that story. I wasn't like these fucking loony bins. One guy says he wants to build the wall. One guy says the wall is like, I wasn't, it was just like, this is what they think. And I think I, you're, I want you to read it as if like, give them the benefit of the doubt, even if they haven't necessarily earned it without giving them like free reign to say hateful or incorrect things. But like, if this was a good faith argument, here's what it is. So I would write profiles of Republicans as if this person, if you were trying, if you were truly a neutral person, what's the most fair, in my view, from everyone I've talked to, from all the information I've gathered, what's the most fair accounting of this person? Uh, and so I wrote a story about a Democrat in that kind of spirit. And the Democrat said, like, I liked the way that you didn't like uh, fawn over anything I said. You weren't obsequious in the way that you conveyed what I believed. It was uh, uh, tough, but fair and like, and well-written. And so after that person won the, their election, they reached out to me the next day and said, you should come work for me. And I said, I don't like working for this newspaper. And I don't know that I want to work in government either, but I think that door probably opens once and that's it. And so I was like, okay, let's just try it. Um, and so, yeah, then I ended up working um, in. As the communications director for that, that person. For the, right? for the, it was, it was the governor, right? The governor of New Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we can say that without saying their name. The governor of New Mexico. Yeah. It was a governor. <laughs> a, a governor of New Mexico. I don't care. They're not going to fucking hear this. If they do, not. actually, I'll say this. <laughs> if they don't hear this, shame on their shame on the team for not yeah, for doing sure. their research. Shame on Mark Ronchetti's team for not finding this as opposition research <laughs> to try and find a quote <laughs> that I'm going to say that they can use to try and hurt their opponent because that means they are not doing a good job. So if you're listening to this team, Ron Ketty, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Ron Ketty, you fucking piece Dude, of Ron, shit. Ron Ketty. Okay. So just segue. Cause I had no idea Ron Ketty was like a nutbag. Cause I only knew him as the meteorologist from when I was in like a little kid. What the fuck happened to that dude, man? Like I had no idea he was like that. <laughs> Seriously. I think it's because so this is the thing that they love to say is like they love to accuse us. Uh, I say us because I am a uh, uh, sort of like died in the wool fucking liberal. I'll tell you right now. I don't care. You can attack me for it if you want. I don't care what you think. But I'm sitting here painting my nails. So I'm I am one of those people. And I uh, am. I, I think th their biggest thing that they like to say right now is that we live in an echo chamber where all we do is repeat each other's fucking messages on the liberal side of the argument. But that's just another one of their great deflections. And like, you know, they're they're always uh, projecting what it is that they're fucking doing. So, you know, they are the kings and queens of of the the echo chamber and just repeating the same dumb lies to try and make the lies sound true. Because if you say the lie enough times, it will sound true. And they know that. 
So mean, that's why they all get on the same message and they all they're very good at being on brand. It pisses me yeah. off how good Republicans are at being on brand and sp- spitting out the same fucking message well, I, and how bad Democrats are at creating any kind of message that we can all get around and start, you know, like doing the same thing. I wouldn't give uh, them too much credit for that, though, because I will just say, like, they have so many infrastructural advantages to propagandizing their own base like facebook is a hell of a drug oh like yeah. you ask Kirby, like oh yeah how did ronchetti go from like goofy weatherman to like full-on like just one goose step away from being a nazi like <laughs> facebook youtube fox news uh newsmax like they all have the same and 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 facebook is effectively a republican platform like if you ever look at the thing there's this one media watchdog that posts like the top 10 performing links on Facebook every day. Nine out of 10 are Tucker Carlson, some YouTube right winger you've never heard of, Kyle Rittenhouse's TikTok. Like they, Facebook is just a house organ and it's infected all. It's sad, truly, because I don't think people in their souls are bad like a lot of them. Some of them are for sure. Some of them. But like they just you believe what's put in front of you and people don't have like any media literacy is the term of art. Like and so it's just very easy for Republicans to weaponize misinformation in a way that like telling the truth is actually like sledding uphill. And so, yeah, Democrats do suck at coming up with a coherent message. But like it's much easier to swallow like an appealing lie than a difficult truth like. Absolutely. Well, especially again for the same branding argument. If you repeat that even half appealing lie a thousand fucking times, it's going to stick in your head and it's going to feel then, you know, you're going to start doing that thing where you start like applying that logic to other stuff that you hear. It's going to start popping out of the woodwork and you're going to start hearing it more places because other people are repeating it too. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it is just part of the dialogue. Even though we know it's a lie, we're all talking about, did you hear this bullshit lie? And we're repeating it all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's all, it's all part of the, it's all part of a plan. It's all part of a, it's it's all part of a tool that they know that they're using. That goes back to what I just said about, I think the media plays a key role in this, the traditional media because well, in Sinclair, in Sinclair media, there there is a right wing stranglehold over the media in general. In general, absolutely. And then, Sorry, go no, ahead. No, I was just going to agree because even the traditional media over which you would not say the right wing has a stranglehold, they they write and report from a position of right wing talking points. It's like they, oh yeah, like a Republican. Like you would like. I always notice this because I would say I'm media literate. This was literally my life for six years. I'm pretty, I have a master's degree in this effectively, but like there'll be headlines where it's like Biden and Democrats struggle with economic headwinds. Did Donald Trump ever struggle with headwinds of any kind? No, because Republicans act and Democrats are defensive. And that's true to some extent. But when it is reported in that framing, always like Donald Trump never had to answer or Republican presidents don't have to answer for things that Democrats have to. You're held to like when you are. And that's the genius of Donald Trump is when you're shameless and it's like, I can't be embarrassed by a scandal. Then the media stops holding you accountable for scandals because there's no juice in that. There's no story there. That's like a dog bites man versus a man bites dog. Dog bites man doesn't get reported. Donald Trump did a criminal thing, barely makes a ripple. 
but a man bites a dog, a Democrat had a private email server? My God, my God. As if a fucking Republican never did something slightly illegal. Suck my dick. Like that's, and then, so yeah, even if you are trying to like follow (laughs) traditional, correct, you know, in theory, like media that is telling the truth, like even the New York Times fucks up all the time and the Washington Post, like they just frame things in a way that's problematic. So yeah, we live in a, we live in a dystopia. That's, that's what we're all saying. Well, the thing is my issue with Democrats and I say Democrats specifically, not the left, because to me, those are two different things. Um, Democrats don't have enough people that will just tell you to fuck off, quite frankly. That, that's that's what it is. They they come off very weak and they try to play the politics game way too much when we're way past that. It's 2022. That shit doesn't work anymore. You have to tell yeah. people to fuck off and you have to stand up for yourself because you'll get run yeah. over. And right now, that's what's happening to them. They, they sit back, they try to pretend like it's 2008 and they get steamrolled. That's that's what happens. I I personally I I am very left leaning. Um, I consider myself an independent. I don't like the Democratic Party at all. I don't. I think the Democratic Party is basically Republicans from twenty years ago, and there is no left yeah. party. There is no left party in in this country, yeah. and that's I think that's where so much frustration comes comes in, and why Evan, as you said, the Democrats can't get you know a, a singular message behind them is they don't they have ostracized a huge portion of their base where they don't feel like they're represented anymore. So yeah, of course they can't get, you know, a consistent message behind it because most people are saying, what the fuck is wrong with you? No, absolutely not. I'm not getting behind you. And it's mostly, no, there are, mostly you know, young people, mostly young people that are. And again, to, tr- to Tripp's point, like that, even that framing of the issue behind, you know, democratic marketing in general is is a kind of a right wing talking point. Just to to frame it that way is one that puts the right wing ahead in the conversation in the first place. Instead of saying, you know, X Y Z are the examples where Democrats are are united and we are are making a bit of you know a bit of headwind. Let's also remember that uh, we have Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin in the fucking house right now who are clearly, and if you just go back in their own political careers, you will see that they have been Republicans this entire time that just yeah. decided to run on a Democratic ticket so that they could fuck with the majority. It's it's clearly part of the, the strategy from the beginning. Well, you know, I think the the problem with that is, though, it it started when Trump ran. And I know we're kind of going into a political talk, and that's perfectly fine. I'm enjoying the shit out of it. I like it. But I think when when Trump ran, there became this sort of panic throughout the left. Like, oh, shit, we can't have that again. We can't have that again. Anyone but Trump. Anyone but Trump. And that creates that. Because then the right knows now that they can take advantage of that. Like, as long as it's not Donald Trump and you're not a complete psychotic loony bird— they're going to vote for them because they don't want to have someone who's a quote unquote Nazi or, you know, what, whatever talking points the left does, but not about the right. So I think once people stop being afraid of what could happen and just start voting in people that they think are actually going to make a difference. And yeah, 
you might fuck up a couple times. Well, and fucking so. that's why I wanted to vote for Bernie. But by the time we got a chance to vote, he was not even ever going to be the candidate. It was not. It was clear that he was. He had already removed himself from the race. I'm pretty sure. So uh, fucking. I liked Bernie for all the reasons that you were just mentioning. He was that guy that was willing to say like, I don't care what you think. These are my, this is what we need for Americans. This is for the little guy. Fuck the big guy. You know, I love that. That was great. I love that. And that's, that's the problem is the democratic party is the big guy. So they would never let him win. Even if Bernie said Bernie Sanders was more popular than Joe Biden. He was more popular than Hillary Clinton. The democratic party was never going to let him win for that reason alone. Isn't that they are still Republicans. They still vote with their wallets. You know, whoever's feeding their wallet, that's who they I completely agree with you. I think Joe Biden is a great example of that same kind of guy who's all, who clearly just a big, like a corporate dick sucker and fucking is, you know, all he wants is money. He wants money in trains. He just wants to play with his trains and he wants to make money for more corporate chills. And 80, fine. He's 80 years old. Why the fuck do we have an 80 year old president? At least like, he's not trying to president. dismantle the democracy. So there's that, you know, like that's the 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 lesser of two evils that we're dealing with. If we're going to get da- back to what you were talking about, Trip, where you're like, now we need to find the dead middle between somebody who's trying to dismantle the republic and somebody who's trying to keep the status quo where it's it's a, you know fucking a bunch of rich people at the top and calling it work for the middle class and expanding the middle class. And you're not fucking expanding the middle class. Get your head out of your ass. Yeah. I mean, this is interesting because it's, I'm like, it's like listening to the two halves of like a liberal brain, just be like arguing (laughs) with each other about the path forward. And meanwhile, the right half of the brain is just like shooting protesters and burning down rainforests. So like Mm -hmm. that's kind of America, you know, is Democrats will squabble. And like to your point, Furby, like there's there's no coherent message that appeals to Democrats because you were saying like, yeah, there is no left party. Like there's if we lived I've seen this point made online. This isn't an original thought, but like if we lived in the UK style of uh, first past the post, you know, like their parliamentary system, the Democratic Party would be like seven different parties. Like there are totally, they, they don't talk to each other. Like there is no, co- Republicans are a monolith, at least in America, the right wing is, and the left of America and the center left and even the center right are all represented by one like feckless, and I'm a member of it. I worked in that party, so I can speak from experience, but like I don't have any wisdom to like, tie the knot of what you guys are saying. Like the only wisdom I have, and I think it's a bit that I've been trying to work on and I've done it on stage and it does not work. But but like the difference is here's my problem is like Furby, you were talking about like the democratic, I'm not, I'm an independent because the democratic party doesn't, maybe I'm not paraphrasing you fairly, but it's like, it doesn't represent me. And so you're about right. You're about right. Yeah. But like, and I'm not necessarily accusing you of this, but my problem is, is thus is that set aside the frustration with the parties, like having worked inside the system, like under the current structures in which we live, the best that you can hope for is someone who's going to honestly try to like move the ball forward inch by inch and often fail, but honestly, credibly like do good service every day. And that's very hard at the presidential level. Even if you have a Bernie Sanders, Mm -hmm. it's very hard just because of the way that our fucked up electoral college Senate, all that stuff. You guys know that, but like, 
local government, like that's all you can hope for because until we have like significant structural change, elected politics, elective politics and, and, and policies are just almost, it's just stagnant. But my problem is when people who are on the left, again, not accusing you of this, but like, and this is the bit that doesn't work. Like what I really admire about the January 6th people, like genuinely admire and respect is they showed the fuck up. And Dude, they, yeah. under, they understand that America is a contact sport. You have fucking leftists, liberals, nice Democrats, aggressive Democrats, who all just tweet and tweet and tweet and protest and will march and will hold hands and will cry together. And the January 6th people right or wrong, and we know it was wrong, believed that the election had been stolen and they said, we will go to Congress and kill people until it is made right. And we are probably already there, but if you want to be generous, heading toward a circumstance where America's politics will be that. It's oh, that, yeah. It's, who's going to, like, this is the joke, is like, there's. A, I saw a fucking guy, some piece of shit, leftist, I'm a radical Badass. Let Bernie <laughs> Sanders is too far right for me, like fucking guy who is just blech. like because here's why I make that noise. Yeah. Because I he tweeted, he tweeted, and I'll never forget it's burned into my brain. <laughs> he tweeted, I have come to the conclusion that it is my moral obligation to burn down fossil fuel infrastructure. That's what he tweeted. Mm-hmm. That's what he tweeted. He tweeted it. And then a year went by and he he got another cat. He got a haircut. <laughs> he did a whole lot more. No fossil fuel. It was his moral obligation. A January 6th motherfucker would have assassinated the CEO of ExxonMobil. I'm not saying do that. I'm not saying do that. But I'm know. saying that's what it fucking takes. Like you, like we're at a like I was reading this article about Chile recently. They Chile did something awesome. I don't know if you guys know this. Chile had like years and years of violent left-wing protests because they had like a Ronald Reagan-esque like 80s and 90s kind of where it's like just inequality growing and this this growing debt burden and and just basically it sucked to be young, you know? And they're all left-wing and it sucked. So they just shut down society. Like people on Reddit talk, they tweet it all the time. I'm going to blow up fossil fuel infrastructure. We should have a general strike. We should, and people tweet it and America's soft and pathetic, so we don't. But I've heard people talk about a general strike lately and I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, why not? Fucking do it. Let me know, dude. I'm fucking watching the clock. But like in Chile, they did. They shut down society. They were like, "There's, we're going to fuck you up. It's going to be battles in the streets between us and police. And it was just years of this. And so they got to a point by force, like this is American revolution shit. They got to a point by force and by force of will where Chile had an election and they said, all right, new constitution, new constitution. We're going to have a constitutional convention. We haven't done this since we became our own country. We're doing it again from scratch. And now they have like a 35-year-old hot leftist president who, and they're, he's so hot. I follow him on Instagram. He's cool. And he's like, he's like Bernie Sanders if he wasn't 85 and crotchety and Jewish. And (laughs) he's got all these great ideas, but he's got the tools to make it happen because they're rewriting the fucking constitution. 
And so like, that'll never happen. It might happen, but we'll all be dead. Like it'll get a lot. I think it's sooner. I really, I hate to actually advocate for this at all, because again, I feel like this is a right wing or a Russian talking point even, but I think I've been hearing this since seventh grade. I've been hearing this since we were friends. I think Furby that people have been saying like, well, you know, there's supposed to be a violent revolution in a healthy society every 200 years or something like that. You know, that there's we're past due for another civil war at this point. And now it really seems like people have taken that to heart and they're already starting to just act on their fucking visions of, of a new civil war. And I don't know how we're going to come out of it as one fucking country. No, I'm uh, I think we will ultimately just have a divided fucking map. And I'm well, fine with that. I want these people to get the fuck out of my area and go live your own miserable life somewhere else america's too heterogeneous to like ever make that a reality but like yeah i agree i agree once once it becomes clear that like and i've been talking too long but like once it becomes clear to i think like the regular person i don't think this has sunk into the regular person yet maybe the high gas prices will get like you know it starts affecting like the regular person who's not paying attention shit like that once shit starts breaking once airplanes start falling from the sky because a Republican presidential administration is like, who cares about the FAA? Like, we don't do government. Like, once shit like that starts happening, and it already is, like, there's school shootings every week, and we don't do yeah. so, like, and people say, like, we're heading towards a collapse. Bitch, we're there. We're there. Yeah, we're just, here. Yeah, we're, there. we're here. This is, this there, is the baby. collapse. This is the start I of the collapse. Once, yeah. I think the tipping point for the average Joe Biden will be like once elections, once elections, and it could be as soon as next presidential election, once we no longer have, we already have a fucked up system with the electoral college, but once there is, it is, it is plain to the average viewer that it's like you, the, the most votes don't, it does not matter who got the most votes that like democracy has been dead, but boy, it sure seems lifeless. Like we can't even vote out people. Then we're on the path towards what you're talking about, Evan, but we're not even on the path yet. We're we're like on the precipice of getting onto the path, and then the path is going to be long and bloody, and try not to get shot at the mall. But like that's just where we're headed, and it's going to be Balkans as fuck. Yeah, man. Like living in Florida. Um, so my my future mother in law, she was at a at the mall the other day eating. Funny you bring up malls, and uh, yeah, someone just started shooting up. The mall. Yeah. Well, she was in there. She was eating. And like right then and there, me, someone who has never owned a gun in my life, I've never liked guns, nothing. I'm like, I think I should probably start carrying a gun on me at all times. My first stop was like, I, I live That's in Florida. That's only going to make that situation more dangerous. <laughs> but, that, but the thing but. is, though, man, the thing is, do I want to be out eating and something like that happens and I have no way to defend myself but good under a table? That's, That's not a way to defend yourself in that situation. I Bullshit. promise you. Bullshit. It is. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I disagree, man. See, that's that's the thing, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, so many people, I'm not saying you in particular. I'm saying just on the left, think, no, man, peace is the way to do it. Or, or that's not how you're going to. Yes, it is. No, no, and, I'm and not if, saying that. I'm if, saying you would. If, if you're if, only going to be accurate with a handgun within a range of about eight feet. And if anybody's already within eight feet of you with another weapon, you're already going to be shot. I promise you. So no, no, having no, I, a handgun I, on you is only a way to shoot somebody else on accident and make a situation worse. No, I get it. I'm not I saying that you can figure out how to defend yeah. yourself against an active shooter. And it's a fucked up situation. And I, and I don't blame you for thinking that. Yeah. But 
That is also one of the problems that keeps every time there's a mass shooting, gun sales skyrocket. No, I get it. And, and it happens I, every I, single time. And the thing is, I agree with you. I do. But at the same time, what else am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like what, what, if Uvalde showed us anything, well, take an active shooter class, take an actual I get it. class I get it, on how but, to defend yourself. Against but here's the thing. So you can still take an active shooter class and have a gun on you. Right. You sure can. So th- that's I guarantee what I'm the so one, I'm not, one is going to be more saying, helpful than the other. But I'm not saying that pulling out a gun should be your first instinct, but does it hurt? But it is, else? isn't it? No, no, no. That it is though, isn't it? But the thing is, it wasn't my first instinct. It was my first instinct this time before with, so with next all the, time, if all that the ever happens again, all the tens I mean, of things that all the, all the hundreds of mass shootings that we've seen, I agreed with you. I said, yeah, we, we should, you should take active shooter classes and blah, blah. But after that happened in the Uvalde where the cops didn't do fuck nothing. Well, children are, they're a bunch of cowards. I know, <laughs> no, but that's the I thing mean, though. Do I, do I have to rely on a cop not being a coward to save my life? Yeah, pretty much. Like that's the thing is like, I get what you're saying where it's like, it's better than nothing. I also yeah. get what Evan's saying where it's like, it's probably not going to be. A fa- my thing is like, it's all fu- like, this is what happens when you don't live in a society. <laughs> like exactly. It's just, fucking, right. it's just luck. Like you, like I said, like, just hope that you don't, you're not at the mall that day. Like that's all exactly. like have a gun. Don't have a gun. Like, you might even if you're in a shooting like did you did you get shot in the shoulder or the fucking neck like it's that that's the difference it's like totally just that's we live in that kind of fucking broken ass just try to survive and And you know who really wins is fucking amazon because they're gonna send you more shit at your house because you're not gonna go to the fucking mall anymore and they're also gonna send you your body armor and they're also gonna send you your fucking funding mass shootings holy shit i'm alleging i'm i'm just asking questions i don't just asking questions here people i feel Um, like i'm not i'm not saying but i'm just saying is i mean no That's very very Fox News if you like trip. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, dude, I worked in media and politics for six years. I know what the fuck I'm doing. I know how to spit. But uh, I know how to get a rumor started. But, like, I don't know. There's nowhere to, like, end this kind of, like, depressing (laughs) conversation. But, like, one thing that I... Is this why your job sucked was because every time you told somebody you do what you do, it just divulged into it, diverted into a conversation I, like that. You're going to make something of this podcast hosting stuff because you just brought, right? I, was I just know. About he, to exactly what you did and just, just synthesis, just, just tie it back in. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, here was my frustration with working in government and like, to your point, Furby, like I worked for a Democrat. I, I worked in a Democratic administration that I feel proud of my work. I, I was honored to work with people who like, especially in a time of crisis, like did I say credible, honest, like they did, we all did what we could to help save people's lives in a time when it would have been easy to do anything, but, and a lot of other states didn't, and we did, and we wouldn't succeed every day, but we tried. But what I, where I get frustrated, just take like the recent, and this could get back into the Bernie stuff, which like, you know, I don't, I don't know how useful that is. Cause like he's, he's in the past now, but like, it's a useful, like it can be useful as like an example or a counter counterfactual or something. But like, I get frustrated with how, how with Democrats who don't see the way things are and act accordingly, for instance, after the mass shooting in Texas and people sort of felt frustrated and 
not sort of people, there was sort of a, uh, it was, I think a renewed level of anger that people had. Cause it was like, how, I mean, it happens every time, but this one was the first one in a while, especially with young kids. And people were like, this is so fucked up. And, and people were mad at Biden too. Cause it was like, Biden isn't. And then you had sort of like a counter argument against those people. Where it's like, Biden can't do anything. He doesn't have the votes. And I'm sitting there cause I've worked inside the system, not at a federal level, granted, but I see how I see the way the game is played and I see the way messaging works. And I'm like, I actually am mad at Biden, but from a different perspective where I'm like, why doesn't, and I actually talked with a lawyer friend of mine, like about this, like in the aftermath of that, I was like, what's stopping Joe Biden from issuing an executive order that bans AR-15s? And if you are found with one, it's a first degree felony. Bans tomorrow, starts tomorrow. And, and and then you'd have a bunch of arguments. Well, is that legal? Is that constitutional? Who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck? Do Who it. gives a shit? Do it. Yeah. Do it. And Kimmel asked him the same thing. Before. Trump gave out fucking, exactly. you know, those things like it was fucking yeah. candy. He didn't did want to Donald Trump meat. stopped. Did Donald Trump ever stop to think like, is this legal? He thought like, what do the people, what do my people? He didn't ever ask what do the people, but he asked what do my people want? What can I message? What can I fundraise on? What can I campaign on? Mm-hmm. And what will make them feel like they're winning? This, and this how goes about back, we take that attitude? What does Daddy Putin fucking, want me to do? A Democrat takes that attitude for one fucking minute, where it's just like force the governor of Texas to 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 fight against that kind of executive order, force the Supreme Court to strike it down. Just fucking do it. Yep. And like they Biden again, say what you will about him. I'm not as negative about him as you guys are, just because he's holding the line, and that's all you can do. He he's probably the last really elected president of our lifetime. So like. You know, enjoy. He said he was going to be a one-term president, man, and now he's trying to run again, and that pisses me off. Anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just saying, like, it could. I'm mad at. I'm mad about it just because, and I. I don't think anyone expected him to be like a revolutionary like that. But it's like that's what this moment calls for, kind of. And until you have someone, and unless, and we didn't, and I think this might be it, but like we won't get another one. But like you could, you, you can envision a world in which there was a Democratic president who's like, like you said. For me earlier, I forget your exact words, but you were like someone who's just going to be more mean about it. Who's just like, this is the way it fucking is. I'm like, I get frustrated when people are like, oh, there's not so, there's not much Biden can do. And I'm like, there is nothing he can't do. Trump showed us there are no fucking rules. Powerful man that's, in the world. That's He's the thing. supposed to, to be the most powerful man in the world. The thing is, man, Trump, Trump just showed, like find votes. Find Trump showed them. Trump showed the left like you got to be. The person who walks in and says, I have the biggest dick or the biggest clit in here and fuck all of you. That's what you have to do. Unfortunately, you have to do that. This is what I'm saying. This was my example about Chile, where it's like, I think people in America will learn one way or another. It's too slow for our liking, but like the power is power. And like there, it's not like Democrats almost have power reluctantly whenever they have it. Like Obama was always very conciliatory. And like, how can we try and make this seem like we all agreed on? It's like, bitch, no, this is what I'm deciding. This is what's happening. And like, that's what LBJ did. If you ever read a book about him, he was a Mm -hmm. badass motherfucker. He would swing his literal dick around in the bathroom to sexually harass other men just showing them his huge hog so that they would be afraid and vote. That's a bit of an exaggeration. I'm conflating <laughs> a few different things, but I'm that's for effect. Well, that's basically what he did. He was like, I'm the fucking president and you will get me my goddamn votes. And we don't have that. And it's unfortunate. And maybe we'll have it when we're old men, but I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith. I don't either. 
I don't have a lot of faith either. I think gradually the, the country's going more and more right. And it just is like, it just is. I, that's not, I don't think that's true at all. That is not, that is not at all. True. Disagree. The country is, is all more left than we give it credit for. And oh, the right wants us to think we, that the right is a growing is majority, we, but it's not. But we, we also live in very different parts of the country too. I live in Florida. I know, but that's why I'm telling you, that's why I want you to hear the, the well, reality that's coming from the bigger part of the world. That's not Florida. No. That's, so that's the thing though, man. Like, Dude, dude yeah. you can look at. Dude, I, I'm just saying. I'm not saying like I know better, but I'm saying yeah. it's a fact that Republican policies are not popular. There's like 30 oh, no, percent of the country very aggressively believes in these things, and everybody else is like 70 percent of the country. Like 40 percent of Republicans are like Roe v. Wade is good. So here's but the thing: it doesn't though, matter. I, I it doesn't matter because they consolidated power. To the extent that it doesn't matter what the people want. Exactly and my that's point. That's what Democrats have to do, but in a more American way. Exactly my point. Exactly my point. I think Democrats elect very weak people for if I can make a blank state blanket statement, obviously not all of them, but for the most part, they elect very weak people who are not going to stand up to change, who are not going to stand up to bullies, quote unquote. And the right does not. And the right, like you said, they swing their dick around and say, fuck you, go get me what I want. Fuck you if you're not going to get me what I want. I'm just going to take it, and you can fuck off, and all, we can figure it out later. And I don't yeah, think that the, I don't think the left has enough of that in them. If the left ever did, if they ever said fuck it and started going for it, then I might change my opinion. But right now, I don't. well, then we'd have more social programs, which would require people to vote for taxes that they're not going to want to vote for, and then we, you know, it's like all kinds of shit. I, I get it. I get it. Country is getting more right. It just the the people on the right are getting more radical. But the country is not drifting right. Our institutions have been taken over by a minority of right-leaning and right-wing fringe people. But that doesn't Amen. mean that the vast majority of Americans believe Kyle Rittenhouse so, is a hero. So let me let me re, let me rephrase because I didn't mean it that the majority of the people in the country are leaning right. That's not what I meant. I meant exactly what you said. It has been controlled by people who are progressively getting more and more right and more and more radical to the right. And that, in turn, is going to make the, the country, whether people want it to or not, swing more right in their policy. That's what I meant by that. Yeah, because Jeff Bezos is funding mass shootings is yep. what I keep hearing. Yeah. It's just something uh, I keep you, hearing. You heard, you, we're breaking the news here, people. It's happening. I'm just asking questions about it. I don't know. I would like to say if Jeff Bezos wants to sue us, I do not have money. So, uh, you know, there's that. He can sue Wayward Comedy LLC for the zero money that we have. Um, he not sue you. He would just wipe this podcast off the face of the internet. And that's like, true. Where did I think of? And he'd be like, what podcast? Yeah. What are you talking about? Why, why, why am I in jail, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, shit, I, have a, I have a series of stitches where my kidney used to be. So it, was there any part of your job that gave you any kind of hope in the process or hope in, in your uh, ability to make an impact at all or, or gave you any kind of uh, positive takeaway, any kind of positive takeaway from, your, from that job? Man, after the way we've been talking, I should probably find a way to say yes, just so, just so we can change <laughs> the vibes. But uh, honestly, no, you got you got to be Switzerland here, man. Even you're, if you're, the, so, I would. <laughs> sorry, go ahead, Furby. I was talking over you. I just no, no, no. I was like, you got to be Switzerland here, man. You're the journalist. You gotta, you gotta give us just how it is. 
Nah, dude. Yeah, that you got it. I don't give a fuck about that anymore. Um, <laughs> what I see or what I have seen, and uh, take 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 what you will from it, is that at least it gave you a, a tipping point in your life where you decided oh, I am going to prioritize my own well being and and how to uh, how to live my best life regardless of of all of this other shit and uh, yeah i mean and that's the thing is like on that note like to your question the only positives that i could draw from it really were kind of like selfish you know like i don't have any like grand sweeping i'm not asking you about other people's positives i'm asking you about your positives i wish i I could give an answer like yeah i have a power i have faith more faith in the power of our institutions it's like certain institutions sure but like only if the good people are still willing to do thankless, uh, very, very difficult work and like fewer and fewer people. Like I was one of them for three years and that's all I could do. But like, yeah, for me, like it, someone like in college or somewhere, I don't even remember where once told me like, you're like the jobs that you do or will do in your life are just sort of like a process of elimination almost. And if you look at it that way, where it's like, if you don't like, like, and I tell people this too, like my little brother just graduated from college. He was like, I don't know what to do. I was like, just do a job. And if you don't like it, you learned that you don't want to do that. And like, that's one less thing that you will do. And so, yeah, I did journalism. Didn't like it. Did, I think a good job. Didn't like it. Moved on, did government, did what I could learned that like, you know what? I tried to help. And I feel like some days I did. And I enjoyed the rewarding parts of it were like having the, especially because I, the when I was at that job, I was at that job for most of that job was when Trump was president. So that was like the context of, so a lot of my job was just like, saying the truth almost and just like it was important to say the truth because that was uh, at a premium you know that was not the the mo in public life and so to have the opportunity to sort of like say the truth and help people understand what was happening around them especially during like a crisis like covid was rewarding in that it felt like i was helping but yeah, you're like at, at by the end of it, I was like, you know what? I've done six years of this kind of work, and I think that's all I had in me. Like I'm, now, I'm gonna just try and just try and just try and do comedy, <laughs> just try and make a lot less money, um, none, none, in fact, zero, and just see if I can feel feel fulfilled creatively. <laughs> But also comedy, I will say, and you might agree with this, Evan, like comedy is similar when it's good. Comedy is similar to what I just described as being a good part of my previous jobs where it's like saying the truth is kind of rewarding. But comedy at its best, I think, is people saying the truth in like an interesting or sometimes enlightening way. Like when someone has a joke that really like lights the laugh in your chest and you're like surprised like a good guttural laugh. It's almost as you're like, you rep your brain in that instant recognizes how true it is. And you, you're agreeing, your laughter is like agreement, a joyful assent to like what the idea that's being presented. And so it's just a different mechanism of the same, uh, of the same idea. Of totally. Just- 
Yeah, it's all it's like a physical reaction to your brain doing this leap where it all of a sudden is analyzing a thought from a different perspective, you know? Yeah, like a setup in a joke. A setup is a, a premise. We all agree upon it. And then the punchline is the inevitable and yet somehow also surprising conclusion to that idea. You're like, I, I should have seen that coming because it's so clear to me now that I've heard it, but it still surprises you and it elicits, you know, joy. But um, yeah, as opposed to like telling people the truth about like, here's what COVID does to your body. I'm like, here's why my family was fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked uh, the, that there's a new George Carlin spin out for a. Yeah, I watched month. it. I watched it. Yeah. It was really good. I, watched I liked it. what he said about how uh, it's like somebody asked him, do you want to do you want to make them think? And he I said, no, no, that's a trap. I just want to show them that I'm thinking. I hung on to that line, too. I actually remember that specifically because I thought it was very telling of his style. But I also think that ties into like. He was kind of like, I thought that documentary was fascinating, but like he was almost, when Norm MacDonald died, I read an interview he did. And the quote that I remember from that was he said, you never want to be the smartest guy in the room when you're doing comedy. And I thought that was kind of interesting, an interesting cousin to that idea from George Carlin, where it's like, because Norm, Norm's point was not like, you can't do smart material or you can't show them you're not, but you don't want to come off as lecturing or like, I know better than you. It's just, you want to demonstrate to them that like your mind is awake and at play. And in George Carlin's case, like figuring some serious shit out for you, but like, and Norm's stuff was not like political like that, but yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to talk down to them. You just want to like, it's more of a sharing than a, and on a one-way street. I don't know. But yeah, that documentary was really good. I liked that. Well, I think there's also something about, about that, um, w- you know, you, you could, I mean, this is probably a whole other podcast worth of discussion, but to tell a good joke or to make a joke work well, you really have to draw the the steps. You have to lay the cookie crumbs of logic. So if you're just telling them how you are coming to the conclusions that you're coming to, instead of trying to make people come to your conclusions, you will do a much better job of laying out the joke and it'll be a lot more fun to watch and it'll ultimately be funnier, you know? Yeah. Uh, Pat, Pat Oswald says you have to show them the moment of discovery. Like you can't just say, well, like I noticed this and it, this is what's funny about that. You have to walk them through, like you're saying, laying little, laying little steps, laying little breadcrumbs. This is why this thought occurs. And then hopefully if you're doing it artfully and well, every point of that they're agreeing with, or even if they don't agree with, they're like, I see where, the, okay, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> like, uh, and yeah, you basically want to, display like the the process of thinking um in hopefully a funny way but well and i bet you got good at that through journalism right in a way that kind of i mean i did say when we were talking about that like if you have the ability to like to like uh draw a conclusion like you can be a journalist that's literally all you have to do is be able to like ask a question truly hear the answer not just be listening like hear it and understand where's that coming from and then draw your own conclusion, like in in ideally uh, as fair a way as possible, not neutral, 
but fair. Like give it the the credence it's due, whether you agree or not, because that's not your job. But like decide what's fair. And like, yeah, it's kind of the same process for jokes too, because like you know inherently, like you don't want to go here. Or like I'll especially going to a lot of open mics. You hear when like I can I have like an internal metronome. Maybe you have this too. But like when someone starts on a premise and you're like, no, no, like you even it doesn't have to. I don't even mean like it's inappropriate. Like if someone's like, so 9-11 and you're just like that can you can do a funny 9-11 joke. Absolutely. I'm not like, oh, I'm not like, oh, some things you can't joke about. You can joke about anything. But the punchline and the art of the joke has to be counterbalanced has to counterbalance like how heavy the material is, for instance. Like you, the example I always think of is like Louis C.K.'s 9-11 joke. I know he's canceled, but he's still like good jokes. Not great with women, but good jokes. (laughs) His 9-11 joke is like, it's like a perfect example of this, where his 9-11 joke is like, I think you can tell how bad, how good or bad of a person you are by how quickly you masturbated after (laughs) the Twin Towers fell. And for me, it was between Towers 1 and 2. Like, that is... (laughs) Because that joke is about him being a piece of shit. Like, and that's the... You can understand, like, where... I don't know. Like, you just... You have a sense of, like... That, that that was about drawing your own. And it still does enough of the misdirection where you're like, oh, I should have seen that conclusion. I should have I should have been able right. to see where this was going. But still, you got me yeah. because you you led me into thinking about after both of the towers had fell. And then you snuck in there in the moment between that you didn't even let me think about before you got to it. You know? Yeah, that's what I mean by like inevitable and also surprising. Like you're like, well, it's like such a sad, like a good joke when it's satis- like a satisfying joke like that. It's like, oh, my God, that was just right. Yeah. Um, it's rare. But yeah, it's. It's a it's its own kind of a craft work for sure. So that's my just like work. an organic ending to a podcast. It's its I own know. like you know natural thing. You just Very gotta find natural. it. Sometimes. And with that, bye. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even say bye. Just cut it off right there. <laughs> <laughs> he just goes, and that's an organic end. Click. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, trip. Man, this has been a lot of fun, man. I've really enjoyed speaking with you and talking with you, man. Thank, thank, thank you for time. coming on, man. Yeah. I know we, yeah, yeah, of course, man. I know we didn't really talk a whole lot about uh, about your job experience uh, once we got on politics, but hey, that's that's kind of what we want on this this thing. Is, is That was my job experience. So in a yeah. way, it was like, it, that's what was going on in my head every day for three years. So that was exactly what made my job so shitty in a weird meta way. Like, we... <laughs> You guys articulated like why I needed to get the fuck out of there. Cause if you just are awake at night, staring at the ceiling, thinking in those kinds of circles, you're like, Hey, maybe I should just do some art. (laughs) (laughs) I hear you. Well, Trip, thank you, man. This has been a blast. Uh, Again, we appreciate you being on. We'd love to have you back on again at some point. Um, Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. I'm around. Thanks guys. Love you, buddy. Thank you. Take care.